0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. What uh, I've been working on for the last few hours is... uh, some programs on parental rights. We mentioned that briefly this morning in the show. This morning, parental rights and where they come from, and that are they are parental rights prior rights. And of course, the international uh, or universal uh, Declaration of Human Rights says that parents have a prior right, but then they go on to say that parents have obligations, and all kinds of other things. Well, the fact is, parents may have both. You can have a prior right, but you can lose access to that prior right by taking benefits from the government. Uh, the greatest destroyers of liberty is the grantor's of gifts, gratu- is gratuities, and benefits. That's been around for a long time. And taking benefits uh, carries with it a disadvantage. And, you know, we explain this in the books like Covenants of the Gods and dozens of articles on the internet and show you that this is the way it works. This is how you lose access to your rights. You, and you should know this from when you were a teenager and you, your father told you, if you eat at my table, you get home when I tell you to get home. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just been, It's basic common sense that if you're eating at the table, if you're getting shelter from somebody, you got to go by the rules of the guy who owns the shelter that you're depending on. If you're depending upon somebody who's going to take care of you, provide you with health care, take care of your parents for you, provide you with education, you're going to lose some of your right to choose. They're going to get to choose for you. For instance, if I'm responsible for... Your health care, you know, like if you go up into the woods to cut firewood with me, and I say, you, know, you got to wear the chaps, and you got to wear the hard hat, and you got to wear the the uh, ear protection, and then you say I don't want to. Well, then you can't come, because if I'm going to be responsible for what you're doing and where you go, I, you're going to have to follow my safety procedures. I was working at. Uh, Church ground uh in the midwest that uh years ago, and uh i I was acutely made aware of the fact that some of the people that were supposedly in charge were reckless. they thought everybody else should be watching out, you know they're dropping trees around, and they think you know and you're standing there feeding through a chipper, and the chipper is stationary, it's not going anywhere you have to feed through this chipper. And it's chipping up all the wood. And that's where you're standing. And while you're working there, and the chippers making a huge amount of noise, you can't hear anybody sneaking up on you. Somebody comes up behind you and cuts down a tree that drops on your head and it's your fault. <laughs> that doesn't make, that worries me when somebody is that ignorant of basic common sense. That you think that that, that's the fault of the person who was working in a machine long before you got there. The machine's making noise so he can't even hear you coming up behind him. And then he, you cut a tree down and you drop it on his head and somehow or other it's, he should have been more careful. No, the guy cutting the tree down should have been more careful. And it's the same thing when you go and you, you know, like, uh, sign up for something. You read the fine print. You find out what what's going to happen when I sign up for this. What are going to be my responsibilities? Where 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 am I going to be obligated if I take this free stuff? Anyway, so I've been editing these programs on parental rights and how you can lose parental rights and how they can impose extra parental rights on you if you're in a particular social structure. If you enter in with certain requirements, you're going to have certain responsibilities. And you may even lose, you may go into debt. If you go in with somebody into a partnership and then they make mistakes and it incurs debt on the partnership, you may owe that debt. If you even are in an unincorporated association, it's not a corporation. Obviously, in a the corporation, there there's debt can be created, but as an unincorporated association, you can create debt. And as a matter of fact, an unincorporated association may offer less protection. Now, uh, some people will talk about corporations are bad, and the corporations are just the institutions of people. And there are lots of rules, you know, if you're incorporating Illinois, you'll have rules in Illinois. If you're incorporating California, there'll be rules in California. Because you're incorporating under the rules of California. And of course, the church is incorporated under the rules of Christ. If a church goes and incorporates under the rules of Illinois... They are now going to fall under the authority of Illinois and they won't be separate as a church. They may have some separation that Illinois recognizes, but if they've incorporated under Illinois or Nebraska, and I can show you cases, uh, that are dealing in these or Oregon, and I, cause I've read the case law in Nebraska, I've read the case law in Oregon, I've read the case law in Illinois, I've read the case law in California as to what happens when you incorporate in these individual states and of course it is our contention that church should not incorporate but be the corporation of christ but who is the authority in the church well the church is told not to have any authority over the people we're not to exercise authority even one over each other in the church we're supposed to be a A voluntary society of free participation. Even the assemblies were called free assemblies in the Old Testament. And they were just as free, if not more so, in the New Testament. And you gave offerings. And those offerings were supposed to take care of the widows and orphans in pure religion. That's that's what you were supposed to be doing. But, you know, that's not necessarily what a lot of people are doing. And what they are intending to do uh, uh, when they go and join a church? They go to church to feel good, but really, if you go back to the time of Rome, and we'll talk about that in the this other uh, programs that we're putting together. Uh, this was one of the protections that Christians looked to to each other, because you know a good healthy child was worth money. If you got thrown into jail, people could throw your children, they could sell them into bondage. That's right. They could sell them into bondage. But if you had a network of people to say, no, we'll take those children, and you had a contract that said that you could take those children, you could save those children from bondage. And they wouldn't go into bondage. And so, but they understood that. Now you say, wow, we don't do that anymore. Ah, actually you do. Foster care. <laughs> and, uh, you you go under the authority and they can put you wherever they want to put you. And, the, and be indoctrinated and even molested in these places pretty much with impunity because it happens all the time. And a lot of people don't want to think that. Oh, no, we have a pretty good system. Well, there are good things that go on in the system, but there are bad things because whenever you create offices of power men who seek power who seek office if you wanted access to children if you were a child molester or a pedophile you want to get a job with children's services that's what they'll do and they have done this now that doesn't mean everybody who's in children's services does that way but and they know that they can't just do whatever they want they have to kind of sneak around about it but that's what happens the same as it happens in churches. And so there are things that you have to do to try to prevent that. And you cannot. The more you create offices of power, power the more that becomes a danger. But that's not really what I was going to talk about today. I just That's just hot on my topic because I've been... Uh, going through the programs, and I will add them to this or this to them on our page on parental rights eventually. But I wasn't going to talk about parental rights. I was going to bring up something else so that you can see how the mechanisms of society alter society. We talk about that all the time. I talked about that this morning. Polybius said that, you know, that you'll become perfect savages if you become accustomed to coveting your neighbor's goods. Through the agency and power of force and government. If you, if you do that, you will become, you will degenerate into perfect savages, and we've explained that in great detail, and you can read our articles at Polybius, uh, at, at, actually at, uh, Preparing You, and we have that. More and more recordings are going to be going up that talk about this, but what I was actually going to talk to you about is Sweden, because we hear Sweden in the news on a pretty regular basis. And uh uh because of some of the things that go on there and I know a little bit more about Sweden than I used to because I have a daughter in law from Sweden and so I, I've taken a look at that and we have some articles up at Preparing You on that and I may add this recording to that. But uh what I was gonna share with you is the a video that I saw put together by Johan Norberg. And uh he's he's got a website uh Talks about freedom and freedom of choice in in Sweden. You can look his name up, Johan J O H A N Norberg N O R B E R G. So anyway, he did a program and he starts off talking about Anders uh, Chidinius. and that's a that's a philosopher and a writer way back in the uh, 1700s. And uh, he was before Adam Smith and before the American thinking came out, you know, talking about independent rights and freedoms and individual freedoms. And he was writing about that way back then and talking about that way back then. And one of the things he talked about is freedom of the press. This freedom of information, you know, like uh, this one of my pet. uh, There's an outfit called Justor, or at least that's the name that pops up there. And it has been categorizing all kinds of information that's supposed to be free to the public. And it, because, you know, if you're in a public institution and you gather a certain amount of information because they're receiving tax dollars that's supposed to be made available to the general public, well, they categorize all that information and data and the studies and everything, and you can't get access to it unless you're attending one of those schools. And if otherwise you have to pay them, you're not, you can't, they can't charge you for the information, but they charge you for categorizing the information and putting it in this database. Of course, they charge way more than the value of the work that they're doing. And there were people out there who was trying to download this and categorize. Once you download the information legally, you should be able to take that information and publicize it legally. Because it's supposed to be in the public domain. But they guard that. I mean, I mean, it's like a life and death industry that they guard that. But that's part of freedom of information. You have a right to that information, especially if it was accumulated. You know, NASA has the same thing. That if NASA... Uh, discover certain information they're supposed to put it in the public domain now they're kind of cheating on that too as a matter of fact they're cheating on it quite a bit they found a lot of information and they've suppressed it and hidden it away I've actually watched them do it where the data is disappearing but Anders Tidinius uh, was talking about this way before anybody thought about NASA I mean, we're talking way back in the 1700s and uh, he proposed this and uh, Also, the freedom of labor, he pushed that, that a man had a right to what he produced. If you, you know, you produce some wheat or you produce some crops, that labor should belong to you. Now, obviously, if you go to work in somebody else's house and you, they say, you know, that you, you maybe work at a loom or something and you're getting paid, you forfeit the right to what you produce because they paid you. You don't like that, don't work for them, go on your own. Of course, if they pay you and you save up your money you and go build your own loom and make your own cloth. And that's, but that, then that labor is totally yours. You have the right to sell it or to do it on your own and then sell what you produce. And so he was advocating that. And it seems like kind of strange why that would be a big deal. I mean, we should just that isn't that kind of commonly understood. Well, you have to look at the time in which he was coming about and talking about these things. This is, you know, a couple hundred years after the uh Protestant Revolution. But it was like 700 years after uh after uh the other revolution that took place when the kings rose up in Europe. William the Conqueror, Stephen, de Bulian, Martin—all these different guys—they rose up and they started setting up their kingdoms. And they talk about fighting rebellion as they rose up. Well, those those people that they were fighting in this rebellion, these people were who? They were freedom fighters. They were trying to hang on to their freedom and they saw these kings usurping. But a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem, that's what was happening. For a thousand years, no king could rise to power. They tried to Charlemagne and all this, but Charlemagne and them were really just a bunch of thugs. And, uh, we can talk about that at another time. And I have talked about some of that historical reality in the past. But, uh, this, uh, What happened was the idea of individual freedom began to disappear with the rise of kings. And it took a couple hundred years before they started really squashing it out of existence. And then, of course, then they had to maintain the power of their authority. And then they had to oppress more and more and more. We see it with all the... All the battles and fighting that goes on, you know, and brave hearts and people like that trying to fight against this oppression. The king was trying to get too oppressive and he'd be pushed back like with John and stuff like that. And and the Magna Carta and then they would come back and they would want to oppress some more. And then, you know, uh King Charles got his head cut off and then good time Charlie came back after a brief uh Romance with uh, the concept of republic in England and then he was a lot more benevolent and the people said okay so they placated the people. So anyway this was going on rising and falling and what's, what's really destroyed the people more than anything is spreading amongst them these gifts, gratuities and benefits because not only does that cause the, the people Uh, to become weak, but it also allows these offices of power to become more and more powerful. And there's still kind of this flux that's going on even in that. We see that going on in the United States today with, you know, attempts to impeach and run people out of office and, and all that. But meanwhile, both sides are often corrupt and becoming millionaires. A book just recently come out showing how... These people on small, not really small, pretty high salaries, but they're not million-dollar salaries, are becoming multi-millionaires, and their families are becoming multi-millionaires because of their their connection to government. And you see it with the Bidens and the Pelosi's and a lot of other people on both sides again, where they're becoming millionaires, multi-multi-millionaires, Working for two hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars a year salaries. How do you do that? Well, that's and the guys written whole books about it, and uh, the media doesn't talk about it. They the the fellow who wrote, was writing the book was saying that the media should be doing these investigations where he's showing how they do this behind the scenes, not you know, kind of quasi legal way of of bilking the American people out of billions of dollars, and. But they're not exposing it, and the people don't know. So he wrote a book, and it's a bestseller on the New York Times list. And uh if you want to know, join the network and ask on the network, and we'll get you the information. But anyway, Anders Chydenius was actually originally Finnish, but in, back in those days, the kingdom of Sweden reached a lot farther than it does today and uh, he wrote about all these things and if you go down the street in Sweden and Finland today a lot of people won't even know who he is but he was if his work had been translated into English back in those days he's probably been one of considered one of the greatest thinkers and all he was doing was revitalizing this idea of individual rights because it had been uh cruelly uh, crushed out of society and we can show you lots of history of how those individual rights topics started coming back up. What the, the church trying to reform itself. The Protestant Revolution was trying to reform the church that had gotten out of hand. And how did it get out of hand? Well, if you go to read our free church report, we show you on the cover, we have somebody like Lady Godiva who was back there when those kings were rising to power. And they were imposing taxes to pay the church. They were going to tax you, give money to the church, and the church was supposed to provide health education and welfare for the people. And they would do it with tax money. And she was saying, no, we can't do it with tax money. We have to do it with free will offerings. And her husband said, I'm compelled by the king to collect this tax, and so I have to do it. And she said, well, I will take up my riches and pay the tax myself. So you don't take it from the people. And she became the patron saint, really, of, of, uh, you know, uh, architects and builders. Cause she built hospitals and libraries and, and, uh, things to help take care of the poor and indigent of society. And her husband matched those funds with his own wealth. This was her second husband. Her first husband had died. She was the only woman mentioned in the doomsday books. Because she owned so much property. And, uh, and she owned it because she inherited it when her hus- first husband died, and she had inherited some of it from her family. But she was giving it away to take care of the needy of society. Something the Hollywood rich don't really, you know, the, all the, so many of the Hollywood rich are socialists. They want the government to take away from others. <laughs> but they don't want to share. I mean, like Bloomberg, six, what is he, worth billions of dollars, and he's running for president. Why isn't he creating charities and helping people take care of themselves? Why are we doing it through government? Because that's the way we used to do it. And that's what we talked about this morning. All the orphanages were built. All, almost all the schools were built by private donations. The first schools, public schools uh, in uh, Virginia, were they weren't built by tax dollars. They were built by the militia. That's what a public school was. It was the people voluntarily building a public school and making it available for the indigent and poor through voluntary contributions. Uh, that's Now it's all done through taxes. So even though at the beginning of this century, uh, in the 1900s, which you talked about, most people were educated at home or in private schools, not in public schools. Even the public schools were mostly funded by... uh Almost all, to some degree or another, are funded by private donations and the private efforts and the private involvement of the parents who were there. But anyway, again, let's go back and talk about Sweden. And so, uh he's talking about these rights. And he died and he, he, they think he's buried in a particular church where he worked. He was actually a minister. And they think he was buried in that church. So, they're not 100% sure and one of the guys says he thought that it made him feel good to think that he had come home and he was interned in the church there. The reality is the real thinkers, the real uh, people who are preaching the concepts of the kingdom, they, they don't care where they're buried. They want to live in the hearts of the people that hear their words. That's what they want to do. And at this particular time when he's talking about these things and spreading this information, it goes on to other people and people think about it and people hear about it and they pass it on to somebody else. And it has ripples in society that you you just can't even imagine. Which is of course why in public school they don't teach you these peop- about these people, because you might get too free. The, and government doesn't want you too free. But anyway, what happened was in 1840 there was a free market economy. Uh, it went from, Sweden went from one of the poorest to one of the richest with lower taxes, longer lifespan, and minimum government. And it just rose and rose and rose and rose all the way through the nineteen fifties. And it was extremely prosperous from this, you know, harsh climate, Swedish country way up to the top. And why did it do that? What was it doing? Well, I I believe that Chidinius had spread these ideas and then of course the hardships of Sweden spread the ideas. It was it was a fertile ground for it. And then they grew up to this huge affluence in Sweden. Low taxes, almost no government, went from one of the poorest nations in the world to one of the richest. How did they do it? Well, probably one of the things that would help you understand that is how did they screw it up? Because that's what they did. They screwed it up with the introduction of the welfare state and uh you know universal health care welfare cradle to grave coverage, and he goes through it and, and gives you examples and shows us and explains he's a very good teacher and uh but he's an economist, and he's explaining and when i say he' i'm I'm, I'm talking about johan uh norberg, and amazing a lot of people in Sweden should really listen to him. Because he's telling you what would make Sweden great again. <laughs> now they, they've reversed a lot of this social welfare state. Everybody thinks that Sweden is a socialist state. It is not. It's a free market country. And they've only applied, gone back, they rolled back the, a lot of the practices and he goes through them in great detail. He, but they started this rollback. Because of people like, uh, the, the author of, uh, Pippi Longstockings and, uh, and Ingmar, uh, Bergman, who was a movie producer and play writer and everything. They were getting taxed more than 100% of what they earned. Because of the heavy tax system. And they had to have this, you know, they started out with like a 12% tax system, then it went up to 37%. But they ended up paying like, uh, she paid 102% taxes, and uh, Ingmar Bergman, who's I think the father of uh, Ingrid Bergman, um, ended up paying 139% taxes, and he fled the country. He said, I can't live here. This is crazy. It's insane, but that's where they were going. And it was killing business, and people were leaving Sweden in droves, and it was devastating the economy, and they reversed that. They changed that. Unions started, uh, one of the things that unions had started doing was buying the companies. They passed a law that the money that the company, the profits that the company made, had a portion of it had to go back to the people so that the people could buy shares in the company. So they were just buying these companies out. And so if your whole family worked hard to build up a company, I mean, you're talking sleepless nights and 70-hour work weeks, and you finally build up this company, and then the... And so it's getting some real size and productivity on it and the workers, you're forced to sell out to the workers and you have nothing. You, you lose everything. And it was, so what, what's it, so where is the real entrepreneurs gonna go? Are they gonna go to that country or are they gonna go somewhere else? Well, they went somewhere else. Someone went to France, someone went to other countries, America and everything else. Well, now we see the same thing going on in, in France where all the entrepreneurs are leaving France and of course that's why they're having so much trouble and riots in the street, they don't see this coming because they don't understand the principles of righteousness that produce the prosperity that Sweden originally produced between the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties so anyway they in the late nineteen nineties, which isn't that long ago i mean thirty years ago uh well not nineteen nineties thirty years ago. The reforms began to abandon many of these social welfare programs. They began to roll that back and they turned their back on government management of all welfare. They returned to local control, supplemented by private insurance. Education went to a voucher system and and school choice and fifty percent of the schools have become private schools, not public schools. Private schools must produce results, so therefore, with the voucher system, if you were producing results, people went to those schools. So even the public schools had to shape up their act. We see the same problem in India, because if you want a good education, you don't send your kids to the public school. And the reality is that's happening in the United States. I mean, that's why homeschoolers with almost no money, no backing, are scoring... All homeschoolers put together, that's the good homeschoolers, the bad homeschoolers, the, the unschoolers, everybody, when you test them, they've been scoring 30% or more higher on all test scores than the people going to public schools. And so, you know right away, homeschooling's better. I mean, some homeschoolers are scoring 40, 50, 60% higher than the public schools. And it isn't because they're geniuses, it's because homeschooling is a better way to do it. I know kids who were going to school, and we talk about this in the parental rights audios that we'll share with you. They were going to school and flunking out of school. Their parents took them home, taught them the same exact courses at home in a fraction of the time. And they were getting A's and B's. Same kid. Same course. They're taking the tests at the school. They just did the study at home, and they're getting A's and B's, and they're doing it at the school. They're flunking. And so, anyway, why is that happening? Well, it's for the same reasons that uh, Anders Chidinius said. It's because you need to have the right of choice, what the Greeks used to call exocia, freedom of choice. Paul writes about that. But you wouldn't know it from the translations you're getting from your churches today. Romans 13, he's talking about exousia, the right to choose. And the higher right to choose the original right to choose. And so when he says in Romans 13, that let every man remain subject to the higher right to choose, which is the choice that he was given by God, this natural right. And if you put the word liberty there, it's also translated as into liberty, which we show you in the in a free book we have online, which is the higher liberty uh, that that was the word that uh, the Greek philosophers the Greek poets considered to be the the strongest word in the Greek language for liberty so you put the word liberty there is that Let every man remain subject to the higher liberty, because all liberty is of God. There is no liberty but of God, and anyone who opposes liberty opposes God. That's what Paul wrote. But you go tell that to the modern Protestant, or even the modern Catholic, and they will go ballistic on you, because they say, oh no, it's not. But right in the concordance, it tells you that that's what the word means. It means the right to choose. The higher right to choose. Is that the government has the higher right to choose? Or is it the individual? Well, Chidinius would tell you. But I don't know if your pastor will tell you. We will tell you. <laughs> and, and we'll tell you what else Christ said to do. So anyway, uh I will take a little break here because it's what they want me to do is take a little break in the middle. And we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom as soon as I figure out which one. Here we go. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, basically, what was happening in Sweden way back after uh, the writings of uh, Anders Chydenius and others, you know, publishing these things. Of course, now, they ran into problems when they started publishing these things and, and giving information to the people. People tried to quiet them down and shut them up. I mean, even the king did it. But people persisted. Sometimes they were arrested and they continued to share information. Because with the information, you get to make choices. I always remember when they, we went to the rifle range when I was in the military. The first time we went to the rifle range, uh, we weren't allowed to take any ammunition. Uh, we lay down and we stood up and we pointed the gun and we fired at the targets and... Uh, but we didn't have any ammunition, so I joked with the guys that I was the best shot today. <laughs> but you couldn't couldn't argue with it because there was no proof that I was the best shot uh, because we didn't have any ammunition. We were just dry firing our rifles. So the reality is is that without information. You can't find out if you're on target or not. Without that ammunition of information, you cannot find out if you're on target or not. And, of course, we see a lot of people talking in the press today, you know, saying that socialism is good and capitalism is bad. And we should take away this and that and the other thing from your neighbor so that we can have more benefits and save the planet. But... uh they don't have any facts. They don't have any information. Even the, the global warming crisis. It's a crack. Uh, the actual data does not support what they're claiming. But they were paid to claim it. Because people will make millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars off of this scare tactic. You don't need more fear. You need more understanding. And you can't get understanding without right information. So anyway, so that's what we're trying to do is impart some of that rightful information to you so that you can figure it out. And I'm zooming along here. So anyway, the the unions learned to respect the corporations. They, And part of this is because they were in Sweden. Sweden has thousands of years of having to cooperate with their neighbor or die because of the harshness of the climate. And the difficulties of living there in that remote area. They had to work together. And I know somebody who has a school there, runs a school there. Uh, Waldorf School is what they call them. And it goes by other names in other places. But uh used to be that all the parents would volunteer to help out. You know, every week, uh, you know, there'd be different parents there to help out with the school and it allowed them not to have to hire a huge amount of staff and do a really good job educating the kids. Well, recently, even though the school went back to that voucher system, the school is also now allowing certain amount of money to come into these private schools. Before they were completely supported by the people who sent their kids to the school and the government didn't support them at all now with the voucher system i assume that's how it's coming that the money's coming in is that they can take money that and put it into the school that they're getting from the government that the government only gets it from taxing them and they can put it into the school and so now they don't show up as so much you know and, and that's what he was telling me he says and so now that we do get some money from the government and I assume it's for the voucher system. And so now not so much. They don't get so much help. And of course, that's the natural course of things. That and the the problem is that has an, an emotional and I will even say a spiritual effect. Which you know, a soulful effect. And the same word soul and the same word mind or Many times in the Bible, the same word that's translated soul is also translated mind. So it has a mental effect. It's altering your mind when you don't go down there and participate in the volunteerism required to run the, the private schools before. So not only choice, but sacrifice is necessary for a strong society, for a strong family. When you see your parents sacrificing for your well-being, one of the things that I noticed when I grew up is that my dad would get in his Renault. (laughs) He used to drive a Renault, at least for a while there. And he would commute away to work, which was 30 miles away, to downtown Houston. and We lived out in the suburbs. And he would drive all the way in, and I had no idea what he was doing. He would drive away, and then that night he would drive back. And I would see him get out of the car. I had no idea of what he had to deal with during the day. And that's a bad thing. That kids don't see what their parents have to deal with to put that bread on the table. They need to be involved in it. See, in the old days, you were. You saw your dad out plowing in the field and you wanted to go out. And you know, you can't go out yet. And then finally, you get to go out and help your dad. You know, when you get old enough. And it's kind of like a rite of passage. And so that's an important thing. So these little structural things in community are, 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 have a serious effect. And we talked this morning about how back in 1909 the government even had a symposium and realized that children needed to be raised in families. But then in the years to follow, now we send their kids away where most of them are learning in the homes and, and learning in schools that were created by the parents themselves. And run by the parents without public funds with their volunteer time and energy. Now they're going away to public schools. And they're in public schools. They're being taught. They're being given values. And at first that was great. It still worked. But now a lot of the values that many of these teachers educated in our modern universities that are 90 to 99% liberal are now teaching your children in the public schools and giving them liberal values. You have no idea who's been writing your school books. So that's one thing. Then both, now we liberated the mothers, so they don't have to be in the house. They go away to work, and the fathers go away to work, and the kids have no idea what they're doing. They just know they come home tired and grumpy. That's not a good thing. That's that's not making a strong society. So, also, if there's a need, you go down to an office and you apply for a welfare check or a Social Security check or Medicare or Medicaid. No. It used to be your neighbors helped you out. Your family helped you out. That's why we didn't need all the... In the whole country, we only had about 50 orphanages. And then most kids only stayed in an orphanage. If they had to go to an orphanage, they were usually there for less than a year. And they were placed with a family. Now kids go into foster care and they, and foster care, the people in foster care are mercenaries. They're getting paid by the government. They're not taking these kids because they love them. They might love them. But their love is tainted because how many would keep taking the kids in if you took the check away? They weren't going to get the check. How many would continue to be foster parents if you weren't going to send them You know, $700 per kid plus uh, other clothing allowances plus food stamps plus medical. If you weren't getting that, how many people would take in those kids? You're going to get a different result from putting those kids in those kinds of homes. And we see that that's where you see these uh, terrible atrocities that take place. Although most of you don't see them because they keep them, you know, it's not popular to point that out so that that gets suppressed it doesn't get into the news so anyway um, uh, one of the things that Sweden did they had they simply had a conversation about the math it wasn't going to work this socialist state social welfare state the uh, socially controlled economy the math wasn't working it was a small enough country uh, and not You know, pretty homogeneous country, at least at that time, although that's changing now with the European Union. They get a lot of influx of other cultures coming in, and they don't know what to do about it. And in a lot of ways, they're making mistakes, but hopefully they will learn. The fact is, is that people need to assimilate in a culture that, because culture matters, it will make a difference. On what works in your society. You bring in just any old culture. A lot of the, you know, there's just as many natural resources in North Africa and South Africa and, and, and Central Africa and then, and many of the Arab countries and Iran and Iraq. They have tremendous, tremendous natural resources. But why are their countries failing and falling apart and there's factions of war everywhere? Culture. Culture is what's happening there. Now, I will admit that you know certain people wanted to get in and get their oil, but they should have been able to defend themselves and maintain their country. Libya, believe it or not, Gaddafi—I mean, he was a rough and tumble bad guy in many ways, but he also really cared about the people and gave them all kinds of rights, and he increased their economy and their affluence all across the country from what it was before to to a remarkable situation irrigated the deserts all this kind of stuff but what he wasn't you know he had this little green book if you, you don't understand what was going on in Libya unless you've read the green book and under and, and you probably don't understand even then unless you understand some of these things that I'm talking to you about the nature of society the the the, the spirit of society the culture of society he he should have been following a different pattern if he was if he took many of the items that were in his little green book, but then he created what Jefferson used to talk about, and I'm not saying the Constitution, but what Jefferson was talking about, where he talked about, you know, every county he called a republic. Every single county in the state of Virginia he called a republic. An individual, independent republic. Every ward within every county he referred to as republics. They were republics where the people were free from things public. He was using the word republic in the sense of libera res publica, which Tacitus talks about. Read your articles on republics so you can actually understand what a republic is because a lot of people don't. They think they do, but it's not an indirect democracy. A republic is something else entirely different. And uh depending on your constitution, the republic will remain free. You will remain free from things public or not. And also depending upon your relationship with government, if you're applying for all kinds of benefits at the expense of your neighbor, your nature will change. So this is, even though it's great that Sweden has rolled back, and they've seen a remarkable improvement when they've rolled back, they still have a heavy progressive welfare state they have a lot of taxes i had a swedish doctor here sitting on my couch and his wife says you don't mind paying taxes and he he just kind of his eyes got really kind of bugged out a little bit and he he says i pay a lot of taxes <laughs> so and they get a lot of benefits from it but the, the fact is is there's another toll not just the cost of the taxes you need to volunteer to help one another. You need to make that choice of sacrifice. Taxes are not a choice to sacrifice. Taxes are a forced offering. That will alter the character of your society. It's great that Sweden is, is going back and giving more choices. But the, I tell you, their prosperity would rise even greater the more choices they keep giving back to the people. And that's what you need to elect politicians that understand that principle. Whether you're in Sweden or Australia or in the United States or wherever you are, wherever you have elections still, they don't have elections in Libya anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but that's what the Qaddafi should have been doing: is empowering the individual to make choices in like the tens, hundreds, and thousands. He would have understood that. Uh, to some degree, if he if I got a chance to talk to him before they ripped his hair out and killed him and beat him to death. But that's what, and of course, who did that? He was very popular with his people. He wasn't hated by the people. The, the people that were sent in there were people that were hired by the U.S. government to go in there and destroy Gaddafi. And that's, and when I say U.S. government, I mean, factions in the U.S. government. It was U.S. money that was supplying them with the ability to overthrow Gaddafi. Because the people, generally speaking, he was very popular with the people. He, uh, But, why was he popular? He should have, instead of just helping them and sending money back and building businesses and roads and putting electricity in and making sure everybody had a home and all this kind of stuff... And he was able to do that because he nationalized the oil fields. What he should have been doing is putting power of choice back into the hands of the people. Now he did some of that, but the more he gives them choice over every aspect of their life, the stronger society will get. Get The less the people look to these offices of power who take from your neighbor to provide you with these benefits, the weaker your society will become. So even though Sweden has walked back they need to go a lot farther back to those values that Anders Andres Cialdinius was talking about. Those values of individual choice. Individual free press and right to information. Individual right to your labor. You see if you're taxed at 20 and 30 percent 40 percent see that's another thing. Sweden doesn't doesn't promote tax the rich and give to the poor. They tax the poor too. Uh, people give you these soundbite views of Sweden. And even though it's working, it's, it's, it's to some degree, they still have a lot of problems. And I tell you that they will overcome those problems if they begin to understand these basic principles of choice. So yes, they've given parents Voucher choice. They can choose what school they go to. They need to give them more choices. Remember, socialism is the religion you get when you have no religion. And if once you understand that religion was how you take care of those widows and orphans and needy of your society. The people who fall through the social welfare was run through religion. Lady Godiva knew that. She knew it had to be done through free will offerings. So she began to offer. And her husband matched those funds. And a lot of other rich people weren't going to be outdone by Lady Godiva. This whole story of her riding to town naked, that was somebody trying to defame her character 200 years later, or at least 100 years or more later. And it was a monk who wrote that story. Never happened. He wrote that story because he wanted the idea to force the taxes. Of the people. To provide him. See your social welfare people today. That's your church. They're doing what the church used to do. The church used to provide. For the widows and orphans and needy of society. To free will offerings. Because the choice. And what happened with that. Is that the people who saw. The church doing a good job. Received more donations. From the people. But. You don't have that choice now. The government's going to take it from you whether they do a good job or not. Now, you might be able to vote somebody out of office, but that doesn't seem to work. I mean, we got people who are pedophiles, uh, arrested, uh, committed fraud, uh, graft, corruption, bribery, convicted of these things. And they're getting elected. How come they could be getting elected? It's because the fact is, your mind is altered when you become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others and institute the rule of force and violence. And so the guy who promises you the most benefits gets elected. That's a bad thing. So we need to change, and we need to change by giving choice back to people. And that's why you see so many people complaining about free speech and trying to shut people down that are speaking is because they're not really for freedom, they're for control. They want power over you, power over your family, power over your community. By yourselves, you're just going to be devoured by the sharks in the water. You have to come together to care about your neighbor and your neighbor's children and your neighbor's rights as much as you care about your own in order to alter the way In which you're going to relate to the world. And of course that's what the early church was doing. So that when persecution came into a certain community. There were people to help you. If it got so bad that you had to leave the community. You could go somewhere else. Because the entire Christian community. Through the commands of Christ. Had organized themselves in the tens, hundreds and thousands. All across the Roman Empire and beyond. They knew... If they had to leave the country... They knew where to go to get help. And if those people in those other countries had to leave... They would come to them. And they, this is why... The, this actually frightened the emperors. They feared the union and discipline... Of the Christian society. Because they knew who each other were. They, they had this whole underground... Of helping one another. And of course... If you just read Acts and and Paul that's what he's doing. There's a dearth over here, there's a shortage over there, and he's moving funds around so that they were taking care of all the needy of the Christian society through faith, hope and charity. And then we have articles up the Christian conflict with Rome was that Rome's system was decaying and and corrupt and, and people were taking bribes and people were not being cared for and there were riots because you know their social welfare bread didn't show up and they were jealous of christians and so they outlawed private religion which means private welfare system and the fact is is you know even if you don't believe in christianity and you believe in socialism you can you can start a socialist system right where you're at create a cooperative you can put your businesses in the cooperative everybody you know, all the actors, you know, these million-dollar actors, they can all join your your private club, and your buying club, your private uh, interaction economic uh, society. And they can all, you know, th- that lady who makes the, the highest-paid actress, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, I think is her name, yeah. Uh, she's the highest-paid actress in uh, Hollywood. At least that's what somebody wrote and i I wrote it down, <laughs> and I have a bunch of information I can share with you about her. I don't know if we'll have much time to get into it, but I can certainly mention it that Jennifer Lawrence has started a kind of a movement, I guess, and she's got enough money to do it with being the highest paid actress <laughs> but uh and we'll probably talk about that next time on Keys to the Kingdom, but this this movement that she started. I'll talk about it next time. I was trying to remember the name of her organization. It starts with an R. It's Represent Us. That's what it's called. Represent.us. And, um and she delivers this 12, you can probably look that up on, uh, YouTube. And she delivers this little 12 minute lecture and talks about this, uh, short film release, uh, that, uh, talking about fighting this corruption crisis that we have in America, you know. Unbreaking America, solving the corruption crisis. Well, the reality is this desire for benefits at the expense of your neighbor by men who exercise authority is a covetous practice. That is corruption. If you go to the Supreme Court and you see up there, they have a picture of the Ten Commandments. One of those Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. But anyway, I will, I will go over these notes and talk more about that next time on the keys of the kingdom. And so in the meantime, what I would like you to see you do is go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org and join the network. And there you can uh, start finding out more about how a free society really works, how to create it, how to maintain it. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you.